Shabbos the Rebbe's yard site. The Rebbe has a, in the Shabbos the Rebbe has an aliyah, she never would have imagined that at this place, at this time, people like us would be sitting in and learning Torahs that, that he didn't even know would somehow find their way to Jewish hands. And here we are, so many years. Pashas Chayesar is talking about what we're going through right now. Hashem does that all the time. Through the tzaddikim that over the years they speak to us It's a famous Torah, it's a short Torah, but there's a lot in it, and we have to listen very carefully, to learn it, to learn it properly, to learn it clearly. I know it's a little bit before the Pashas HaShavuah, but we're going in the order of the Sefer, so it's okay. It's okay. Sorry, man, who appears already at the end of this Pasha. At the end of Pashas Noach, you already have Sari Yemeinu. Yiska. It's Sari Yemeinu. So, everybody knows what Rashi says. Rashi's troubled by why is it that the Pasuk has to divide Meya Shana, Ve'esrim Shana, Ve'sheva Shana. It says, Shnei Chayesar. Are you Chayesar? This is the life of Sari Yemeinu. It could have said, Meya Esrim Ve'sheva. We've said right away 127, not 127. Now, before we go further with Rashi, everybody knows that by Yishmael, it also says such a lashon. If you look in the Maral and Gerarye and the Pasik and the Mizrahi, they talk about this because it says, Eilish Nechai Yishmael. And there also it says, Ma'ashana, Shleshim Shana, Shana. So by Yishmael also divides his life in such a way. So if you look in the morale, and in, and, uh, in the Mizrahi, they explain there's a difference. Many times in Tanakh, if it says, Shnei Chayei, if it says these are the years of the life of Ploni, it will divide it in such a way like it does by Yishmael, many times. Ma'ashana, Shleishim Shana, V'sheva Shana, many times. But over here, by Sarimenu, it doesn't say, Vayiyu Shnei Chayesar, it doesn't say at the beginning, these are the years of the life of Sarah. It says, Vayiyu Chayesar, this is the life of Sarimenu. So the Mepharshim point out that in this situation, it should have just said 127. Only when it introduces it with these are the years, then sometimes it will divide it into those categories of years, decades, and so on. But Rashi is very famous. Rashi says it divides her life into the, the Torah divides her life into these into these separate sections. Of Ma'ashana, Ve'esum Shana, Ve'sheva Shana. Lom Lach Shekol Echad Nidrish La'atzma. Because Hashem Zbarach wants us to look at each of these on its own. Bas Kuvke Bas Chof Lechet. 
even when she was 100 years old. There was something remarkable about, about her when she was 100. When she was at the age of 100, she was kebaz chof lechait. She was like a 20-year-old. As far as chait is concerned, sin. Ma'abaz chof lechata shahi eina bas onshin. A 20-year-old, until that age, one is not a ben onshin or bas onshin, the bezden shomala. One is not punished. So she was, when she was 100, she was as innocent and pure as a 20-year-old. And the Darshan is 20 because the Baschof is Kabas Shavali Because when she was 20 years old, she was as beautiful as a seven year old. The Mephashim point out here the beauty of a seven year old is completely, completely natural. It doesn't require any makeup, it doesn't require any tampering. There are women who spend most of their lives trying to fix things up. Sorry, Mena did not have to do that. Even when she, she, she was as beautiful as a child, as in that way, did not require any, any touching up. Okay, that's Rashi. So the Rebbe says we need to understand what this is alluding to. What is this teaching us? Offhand, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like such an important Indian. If we look at all of the different Tzadkanias who are mentioned in the Torah, all the righteous women of the Torah, we don't find the Torah talking this way. The greatness of Sari Yemenu is different. All of the other Tzadkanias who we love and we appreciate, but we don't find that the Torah describes the godless, or Chazal, in the way that Sarimena's greatness is described. We find that by Avram Avinu, it says by Avram Avinu, it says later on by Avram Avinu, so Avram Avinu's life is also written in such a way, a hundred years and seventy years and and five years. For Rashi Pirish Gamkin Shinir Meshahaybalochait. And Rashi there also writes that this is teaching us that Avram Avinu was pure, even when he was older, he was without sin. However, the Torah does not conclude by Avram Avinu to, to repeat by saying, These are the years of Avram, Kamay Bisaru. By sorry, the Torah says Shnei Chayisara. At the end, after saying the years, to teach us Shekulan Shav and that all of her years were equally great. Doesn't say Rashi does not say that by Avram Avinu. Chazal don't say that by Avram Avinu. Only by sorry, Besides the drush of hundred and twenty and seven, that we find by Avram Avinu also. hundred and seventy and five, we find that by Avram Avinu also. But then the Torah says, Shnei Chayesara. Why repeat? So Rashi says, Kulan Shavon L'Tayva. Her entire life is one masterpiece. Kulan Shavon L'Tayva. This we don't find by anybody else. It's a lush. Omnam Yisra B'Sev HaKadosh Mo'er V'Shemesh.
Now, the Moor Vashemish in Pasha's Ve'era, in Shmais, you remember that at the end of Pasha's Shmais, Moshe Rabbeinu was extremely, extremely distraught. And he says to Hashem Ezbarach, since the time that I came to speak to Paro in your name, it's gotten worse. Not better. Things are, things are getting worse. And then Pasha's Ve'era begins with The difficulty with that Pasig is Elokim. Elokim is what Mida Midas? Hadin, midas hadin. Vayadaber elokim, el Moshe. Elokim is midas hadin. Vayadaber elokim, el Moshe. Vayomer elov ani yudkei vavkei, ani havaya, ani hashem, which is midas harachim. So elokim, din, gvura and din. Vayomer elokim, says to Moshe Rabbeinu, ani havaya, ani yudkei vavkei, I am Hashem. Rashi over there that in the end Hashem's love, Hashem's compassion and mercy will be revealed in other words you haven't seen the end wait, stick around and you'll see what happens over here so the Mu'ar Vashemesh writes over there Me'arav HaKadosh Yishel HaKim Reino Rab Menachem Mendel Mirimnov the Mu'ar Vashemesh, by the way the Rebbe the Pesesna is named after the Mu'ar Vashemesh which is Hazayda, an ancestor of his so the Moorva Shemesh brings from Ramendal Rimanover. Allah Gemara, the Gemara and Brachis, Nema Bris Bemelach, Venema Bris Biasurin. The Gemara there points out that we find the concept of Bris, of covenant by salt, Bris Melach, and we find Bris also Biasurin. In the context of suffering. And the Gemara says, what does bris melach and bris yisurim have to do with each other? The Gemara says, ma melach mamtekes abosar. Salt is very strong. And yet the effect of salt, the Gemara says, is that it sweetens the meat. It makes the meat Delicious. Makes the meat edible. Af yisurin memarkin kol avanais of shalodam. So too, yisurin purge all of the sins of a person. So even though salt itself, salt in of itself hurts, but somehow the effect it has is that it sweetens the meat. Suffering, of course, hurts terribly. And yet somehow... It sweetens the destiny of the person. It purges him of sins. <coughs> the Hainu, the Marv teaches, Ma Melach, just like with salt, Imoisif Yoisim the salt, salting the meat, is of great benefit if it's <coughs> just the right amount. But if there's too much salt, then then it's impossible to enjoy the meat. It becomes davke, becomes terrible. It's ruined. 
It's only if the salting is kashir, in the right measure. Kach ha-yisurim, so too when it comes to suffering. There's a bris melach and there's a bris yisurim. And just like when it comes to melach, salt, we understand its benefit and we feel its benefit when it's in the right measure, when it's not too much. So too the Morav Hashem says, Kach ha-yisurim, yiyu mimuzagim, so too, Yisurim suffering, the suffering that Hashem brings upon man, we're asking that it always be mimuzagim, that it be softened and mixed together with rachamim, together with compassion. So the human being would be able to, should be able to bear the suffering that he goes through. Suffering purges, it purifies. <coughs> But the Rebbe, but the Morav Hashem says, but that's when it's in the in the right amount. But when there's too much suffering, and it's not together with the midas harachmim, if it's just midas haddin, if it's just yisur, and it's not mixed with midas harachmim, if it's just if it's just the shame elokim, but it's not together with the shame havaya, then the suffering becomes unbearable, and it doesn't purify the person, could bring him totally away from God. It could draw him totally away from HaKadosh Baruch. It could destroy him. She is the Kabla. Suffering just like salt has to be with measure. V'yu mimuzogim v'rachmem. And that's the deeper meaning of the Pasuk that Hashem reveals to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is basically saying, we can't take this anymore. We can't take it anymore. It's getting worse. It's, we're not going to make it. <coughs> so it says in Posik over there in Va'ira, Vayedaber Lukim Amoisha Vayomilov Aniyukevavke. That Hashem Elokim says, Aniyukevavke, that I want you to understand that Elokim, the name Elokim, is together with the Shem Yudkevavke. It's with the Shir. I understand what you're going through. There needs to be Yisurim. There needs to be. Am Yisrael needs to go through this. But it's a, it's a shiluv of the two names. Of, of Elokim and Yudkei Vavke. Ve'yidab Elokim ha-moyesha ve'yirmelov ani havaya, ani Yudkei Vavke. That's the Morav HaShemesh. That itself is beautiful. Morav HaShemesh. So ve'hine Rashi pireish ve'lom anismecha misa sara La Kedis Yitzchak. Rashi explains the connection between what happened in Pashas Veyera, or what will be happening in Pashas Veyera, that Kedis Yitzchak, and then what follows the death of Saryumena. There's a, a very big connection between Akedis Yitzchak and the death of Saryumena. Rashi says, Shayidei Besuras Ha That when Rivki Imenu, not Rivki Imenu, when Sari Imenu heard about what happened by the Akedah, Shnezdamein Benola Shechita, that her son, that her child Yitzchak was brought up to be slaughtered, to be shechted, Ukimat Shaloi Nishchat, and he almost was slaughtered. He, 
Avraham Avinu was just about, the, the knife was raised to kill him. Ukimach How Yitzhak was almost killed. When she heard that, Parcha Nishmasa Mimena Vamesa. Her soul left her and she died. So it turns out that there really was only one victim of the Akeda. It wasn't Avmavino. For him, it, it ended in a happy way. By Avmavino, it ended in a nice way that he was stopped. He didn't have to do it. So it was a good ending. By Yitzhak Avino, it had a happy ending. I mean, it was a traumatic thing to go through for father and son. But, Sof Yitzhak survived. There's only one person who didn't survive. And that's Arimena. She didn't survive the Akeda. Now what's astonishing here is it had a happy ending. It, it, it could have been terrible. It looked like it was going to be terrible. But Lamaisa, it worked out. Even though there are different Medrashim, this Girsa of the Medrash is the one that is most widely accepted, where she knew that the outcome was a good outcome. There are others that have a different way of explaining this, that she was told by the Sultan that he was shechted. There are other gears. But according to this, the simple pshat in the Medrash that Rashi brings, she, she heard good news. She heard that Avram Avinu almost shechted Yitzchak, Kimat Shaloy Nishchat. Kimat Shaloy Nishchat. And, and, uh, and she died from the good news. I remember when I was in high school, I read a short story, Lahavdal. I don't remember who wrote the short story. But it was a story about um, a, a wife who hated her husband. He was an abusive monster. And um, he was. He was missing in action. He was a soldier or something. He was missing in action. And uh, and he, and they uh, reported they reported to her that uh, that they found out that he was killed in action. And everybody came to hug her and to console her. Only she knew that this was the best news possible. So this is going on for like a day, and she's making believe that she's a, a widow in mourning, and all the chavitas are coming, you know, to be mechazaka. And then there's a knock on the door, and someone comes, a soldier comes and screams out, we have fantastic news, it was a mistake. Your husband is alive. She has a heart attack and drops dead. And the end of the story is, the good news was too much for her to bear. <laughs> the good news was too much for her to bear. She died from the good news. Usually, good news gives you achiyas. It gives you life. It doesn't kill you. Sorry, Mena died from good news. Bamis was good news. Everything turned out okay. But Lamaisi, she was the victim of the Akeda. She, she was the one who died from the Akeda. So, look at, look at this now, what the Rebbe says. 
I'm sure some of you have heard of this or have seen this before. It's a very famous Torah of the Rebbe's. And you, uh, you always have to keep in mind who he was speaking to. Hainu when Moshe Rabbeinu, the faithful shepherd, when he when he wrote the Torah, of course this was Kedvah Hashem, when he wrote the Torah, he made sure to report the death of Sarimenu next to the after Akedis Yitzchak. Kedei lahamlitz, the next page, Kedei lahamlitz toiv ba'adeinu. What does it mean, Kedei lahamlitz toiv ba'adeinu? To be a schus. That should be a schus for Jews. Ulaharais, and to, Moshe Benu wanted this to be forever. A way of demonstrating or protesting, crying out to Hashem to say, that sometimes the suffering is too much to bear. Manasa, what happens? That Sadek has died. Void Bimnasa Kain Besar. And if such a thing could happen to Sari Yimenu, Sadekis Gedoilu Kazu, such a great Sadekis, who we learned. Is Bas Kuf Kibas Chov who when she was a hundred she was as innocent as a twenty year old, and as beautiful as a seven year old. Whose entire life was Kulam Shavan Latoiva. And with all of that, and despite all of that, she was destroyed by the suffering of the Akeda, by, by how she suffered as a result of the news of the Akeda. So the Rebbe was saying to the Jews, who were, who were going through terrible, terrible misery and suffering, if Sari Menu was such a tzedekis and had such a muna and was such a great person, and she was so pure in her faith. And her life was so kulam shavm latoiva, and she believed that. And still she was broken by the Akedah. Allah has come of a of people like us, so we're not big tzaddikim. We're just regular people. How do, you expect, how do you expect us to become better from the suffering that you're putting us through? You're assaulting us too much. We're not going to survive. Now, this doesn't yet answer the question of a moment ago that Soyman received good news, right? So what was the Yisur? What the, what the Rebbe is telling us, what the Torah is telling us, before we, before we move on to what the Rebbe is, is that Sarimena died from the horror of what might have been. Of what might have been. The fact that Yitzchak Avinu survived the Akedah doesn't change what happened to that woman. It doesn't change the fact that Sarimena was broken by the 
unpredictability of life. Meaning that terrible fear that at any moment you could lose everything. That that child who she, her entire life she was davening for. And finally the great tzaddik came into the world and that this tzaddik was going to build a nation. And their entire existence was bound to, the, to this person, to her child, to her son Yitzhak. She didn't die because of the tragedy of Yitzhak's death. Yitzhak, Yitzhak Arina lived. She died of the truth that Rashi calls, Chazal call, Kim'at Shaloi Nishchat. Kim'at Shaloi Nishchat. Kim'at Shaloi Nishchat means that, the way that, this is the way the morale learns it, is that there's a chut ha-sa'ara, there's a hair's breadth that separates between life and death. And it became so clear in such a frightening way. What well, it says in Pasuk and Chazal talk about Toyla Eretz Ablima, how everything, all of life is dangling. Toyla Eretz Ablima, that a person lives his life suspended in midair. There's a very... There's a very dear friend of mine who I love, Mamish, with all my heart, who is terribly frightened. You know what it's like to be, let's say, on a, a, at night, and 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 you, and you don't know where your kid is, and you get a knock on the door, and somebody comes. It could be an ambulance or a police, right? And you kid, and you don't know where your kid is, and you see a policeman coming to the door. You can't die from that. And the police is telling you, "We found you, son." But survivors of the war survivors of the holocaust didn't just survive the holocaust those who lived after the holocaust survived a lifetime of constantly being terrified and worried every single day I'm telling you a, a true thing every single day when I, every single time when I would go to when I would leave the school there was this parting for my mother and the feeling that I had was that my mother didn't know if I was going to come home that night. That's how I went to school every day. When I would go to, when I was coming here and I would leave for the week, it was with crying. It was a terrible thing. And it was terrible. I, I don't like to think about it, but I remember what it was like. And my father would give my mother chizik. Usually my father was at, was at work at that time. And my mother would be standing at the door and then she'd walk out to the street. And I was going to, the, I would go to the bus. And it was a whole thing every time. Because, because she, she never forgot when she was separated from her, her, from her parents in Auschwitz. She never forgot that. And every time that my sister and I would go someplace, she lived all the time with Kimat Shalenishka. When I was out with my friends, and I'd come back late at night. After calling her two or three times, every time I would, in the middle of a movie, I would go to the payphone. We didn't have cell phones in the middle of the movie, I was the only guy, my friends would make fun of me. Oh, are you going to call your mom? So I would sit down, I'm getting some popcorn. I would have to buy popcorn, even though I didn't want it. <laughs> I had to go to the payphone to call my mother. Are you okay? You got there okay? I had to check in that I got there okay. And then if we went someplace to get some pizza or something, I had to call from the pizza shop. I made more stops than the Michigan going from, you know, going home. I made a lot of stops. I still call 
a number of times a day. Baruch Hashem, I should be able to continue. But it was, but it was always kimat shalom nishchat. It's it's hard to describe what that is. A person who feels that that chutasar, that kimat. The kimat, the Maralik says, is is only a small thing. You know, when we're driving on the highway. You know, sometimes you're going to change lanes. And uh, it looked pretty clear. You look up, it looks pretty clear, right? looked okay. And then you, ch- and you start to move over, and the last second, you didn't, you didn't see in the mirror, the last second, there's that chutasar, and there was a, there's a car in the next lane. And so you make it to where you had to go, and you might not even remember that there was a chutasar of kimat shleinishchat. Right now in, in Exesel, every mother is waiting. Not just for the soldiers to come home. That's always a sugya. Just every, every parent is waiting just for the kids to come back from school, from, from the street. We asked you what happened in Hanof to come back from school. The pachad of Kimat that fear of causes a person to realize how helpless how help, how bad some we're not in control and what you love more than anything in the world can be taken from you in a minute all of all that we have in Gashmi's our children Khalila we live in a constant state of kimat shalai nishchat. Kimat shalai nishchat. And when you hear about something that happened to somebody, and you say, you know, I was, I, I could have, I was, I remember when I was in yeshiva in Etzisel, when I was a bach and I was in Etzisel, so I, I went onto a bus. It was an Arab Shabbos, and I was in town to get some things, and I was going onto the bus, I already, I already did my my kaitisiyah, uh, you know. I already punched it. And you know, once a Jew does that, it's very hard to go, not not to use it. You know what I'm saying? I already punched the, I already punched the thing. And right at that second, when the door of the bus was open, two of my friends passed by. Hey, Marsh, what's doing? Come on, we're gonna, gonna get some ice cream or something. I don't remember. And I said, I, I, I punched my. <laughs> I said, come on, get out of the bus. So I, and I got off the bus. We were walking to the ice cream place. Boom. There were four people killed on that bus. This stuff didn't just start now. Kemat shalai nishchat. Kemat shalai nishchat. Please don't tell that to my mother. I never told her that. <laughs> but it was kemat, kemat shalai nishchat. And we have stories. It means you're going about your life and everything is beautiful. Kulam shavon l'tayva. Life is great. You're happy. But the truth is that your life is Tayla Eretz HaBlim, is suspended in midair. And it says that in the Teichacha, it says that in the Teichacha, and this is the most horrible thing, that we just learned in Kisova a few weeks ago, Your life is dangling in front of you. Ufachadata Laila is the worst curse. You'll be frightened, you'll be terrified. 
night and day. And what are the last words of that? You won't be able to believe in your life. At the time of the war, my father, oh, I grew up hearing these stories how whenever they, when they were running and they had to go someplace, so it was always this Eilam said, no, no, you have to go, to, this is the way to go. And there were other Chavah that said, no, 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 we heard that you can't go that, you have to go this way. And my friends, you know, what, what to do? Every, and this was every day, like three times, four times. What? This way, that way. And the wrong decision every single time would mean death. It wasn't like, it wasn't like you get penalized and you have to put into the bank $100, you understand? If you make the wrong move, you're dead. It, it was a state of pachad. Velotamen becheach means you... You, you, you can't believe in your life because of the uncertainty of the next moment. And that realization that, the, that I have no control over anything and that fear of in a moment losing, losing everything <coughs> killed sorry me. Now now you could say she was such a sadekis. Come on, you know. Mechazik yourself. So look what the Rebbe says now. Oid ev shaloyme shagam sari yimeinu atzma shenosna kolkach eliba maise hakeida you could say that Saryamin, who took this so much to heart, what happened by the Akedah, that Yitzhak was almost killed. At Shaparcha Nishmasa to the point that her Neshama left her, her soul left her. She could have survived that. She could have survived that. That, that trauma of Kimachilo Nishchat, of how Yitzhak almost died. She could have survived that. She was a great person. But she did not want to survive that. L'toivas Yisrael Asta. Perhaps the Rebbe says she gave her life, L'toivas Yisrael, for the sake of the Jewish people. L'haris L'Hashem, in order to, again, protest, in order to show Kivyochel Hashem, Ech Iev Shal Yisrael Lizbal Yisrael Yosem Hidai. Her Jews can't bear the suffering anymore. It's too much salt. Can't take it. And there's a point that you become so fragile that even, even if somehow, the Rebbe says in a second, even if somehow it turns out okay, I'm too broken by the mitzvahs of my suffering. I'm too broken by living a life that, is, that I can't believe in. By living a life that could be taken from me at any moment that I feel at any second is slipping away. I can't, I can't live like this. So she did it. That in all due respect, Hashem, we're not as strong as you think we are. even if somebody even if by God's mercy, someone remains alive. 
after all of the suffering, he's talking to the Jews there in the war. Even if, even if somehow you survive the Holocaust, everybody else that you know, your family, everybody was killed, but you somehow make it out. After all of your suffering, you are alive. A big piece of his kaychas, of his mind, of his spirit, has been permanently broken and destroyed and lost forever by the kimat nishchat, by the experience of living through years of every second almost dying, of seeing everything else destroyed. <coughs> and, and not just the... Not just the constant fear of, of, of dying yourself, but every second, the fear of losing someone that you love. Of watching the people that you love die in front of you. So even if you survive, you're doomed. That's what so many wanted to say. Even if there's a happy ending. Her husband and her son came back from the Al-Qaeda. Everybody's fine. They lived happily ever after. Even if it has a happy ending, a part of me has been killed. A part of me has died because of the suffering. Mali Tali Kula, Mali Tali Gupalga. What's the difference? You're telling me between dying entirely a, a dying part a dying a part of me dying people who went through the Yisram that the Rebbe is describing this, the Rebbe is talking about the Yisram that he went through the survivors came out they came out alive but a big part of them had died <coughs> some of them spoke about that most of them didn't some of them wrote about it or shared their stories with others and some of their pain which is not possible for us to imagine what that was like so they they survived just as nobody was killed But Sarimenu, the Rabbi says that Sarimenu was saying forever. So he didn't die. So my son didn't die. He hasn't been traumatized for life by what happened. And and I and I'm physically okay. I can't I can't continue to live the way that I lived before. Now that the terrible, terrible truth of Kimach Nishchat is in front of my eyes that in one second everything was going to be lost. Your life is dangling in front of your eyes. It's really impossible for a person, for people who haven't been in such situations to identify, to try to really understand what this means. But the Rebbe was talking to people who understood that even if we survive, no, no.
I discussed this with many survivors, and I spoke to my parents a lot about this. My mother never wanted to talk about it. You, you, would, have, you would think that when they were liberated from the camp, you would think that that like, would be the biggest yontif in the world. It wasn't like a... If you talk to survivors, it wasn't... Uh, the initial thing was there was some cheering. You know, when the Americans came in, there was some cheering. But then, after, after that, that relief of the moment that the Nazis were gone and the Americans were there, after that moment... But then each one had to sit down and to try to go on living even though a huge piece, like the Rebbe says, had been taken, is gone, was killed, will never come back. And that's the deeper meaning of the Pasuk, Shnei Chayesar. Shalachayra, Chotasar Neged Shar Shnei Seha, Shahayla Lichyayis. What do you mean? Sorry, Mena could have lived longer. If she wouldn't have taken the, if she wouldn't have taken this whole Indian of Kemat Shalei Nishchad, if she wouldn't have taken it so much to heart, if she would have strengthened herself, it wouldn't have been 127 years. Could have been longer. So she did sin. She sinned by shortening her own life, by not strengthening herself to overcome. That that impulse of the Rebbe says, but since she herself did not sin, she herself had the strength to be able to somehow go on to continue. Nevertheless, these are the years, at the end of the Pasuk, it goes back and says again, these are the years of Sarah's life. She didn't sin even against the years, the additional years that she could have lived. She didn't sin against her against those years either. She didn't sin against the potential of the years that she could have lived. Because she didn't do that for herself. She herself could have survived. But she wanted to say to Hashem, like the Torah from the Mor- from the more of a shamish, that we're getting salted too much. We, we, we can't go on living this way every single second with our lives hanging in front of our eyes. Not to be able to believe in life. With that small, with that small, tiny little thing that, that is, is separating between between life and death, where a person has to live in constant doubt. In constant doubt of the, whether he's going to continue, he's going to live or not live. Or in a moment, all the happiness that you've ever worked for is going to disappear. 
So Sarimenu voluntarily surrendered herself. So we're asking why was she such a great tzaddikus? Why is that the Torah is machshev her more than all the other tzaddikonias? What is it about Sarimenu? The answer is shnei chayisar. The years of Sarimenu's life that she could have lived, but she chose not to live in order to protest that it's not a life. This is not called living. It's not called living if a mother doesn't know if her child's coming home from school. It's not called living if at any moment all that you love could disappear. It's not called living. So even, even if you are mechazik yourself, that self self, there are happy endings that you bring to our lives. But there's such a thing as dying from good news also. <clears throat> and dying from good news means that even if you survive, what kind of a life is there after, after you've survived? What kind of a life is it going to be? What's the quality? What's the nature of that life? What kind of a life is that? What kind of a life is a life of kimat nishcha? The family goes in the car, and they're taking a trip in the car. From nowhere, a couple of Yishmaelim come out in front of their four children. And how are these children going to grow up now? Maybe the little ones are not going to remember, I don't know. It'll be a life of kimat shaloy nishchat. Kimat shaloy nishchat. Because they saw their parents. They saw their parents killed before their eyes. They survived. The kids survived. But, but each one of those kids has been partially killed. Each, of, each one of those kids has been partially killed, and part of that kid went with the parents. That's why you know that children like that, it's very hard for them. It's very hard for them to connect afterwards because there's the fear of losing again. So there are other adults in their, in their lives that love them and will show them great love and warmth. But every single sign of love and warmth from somebody else brings back the fear of Losing that which I love. Of losing that. So, so they're survivors. But what kind of a life is that? There are things that a person sees that make the life that you live afterwards an incomplete life. A life that's broken. Look how the Rebbe ends. All of her life was beautiful. The way she gave up her life was, also, was the most beautiful thing of all. She didn't sin at the end. She could have lived. She didn't want to live. Because she knew that there would be women countless women who are weaker than her who wouldn't have the ability to, to continue 
Therefore, the Rebbe ends by asking, Yerachim Hashem Aleinu, Hashem Shnevachmanus on us, I'll call Yisrael and the entire Jewish people, V'yayishyenu b'meheira, and she bring us quickly a salvation, Baruchnius, Lukafanius, spiritually and physically, V'chasadim niglin, V'chasadim niglin, with clear and open kindness, Hashem should bring us a Yeshua. You should be zarkhat to see that now as well. Thank you.